1: Throughout his many years in ministry, Mike Weatheralt has had a special and unique gift at connecting with young people. This sermon was preached back in 2001 at the God's Bible School and College Fall Revival, and he titles this wonderful message, God Really Loves You. I know you'll enjoy this powerful sermon. On
0: on. I don't want to take for granted of holiness that has been on. I don't
1: want Isn't God good? Yes. Amen. Amen. We serve a wonderful, wonderful God. <laughs> I appreciated so much that beautiful number in song. I'm glad the blood goes deeper than the sin stain is gone. Amen. You know, our Our God tonight is in the saving and keeping business. (laughs) He is so desirous to get every one of us to heaven. You believe that, don't you? And God will do whatever is necessary in your life and mine because He loves us so much. Amen. That we might mind Him, serve Him, and walk with Him. Thank the Lord. i'm going to talk to you tonight again just i'm just going to talk to you i guess that's all right isn't it i i was thinking when brother avery asked me to come i guess my mind began to just think and inside i outside i said well i'll do the best i can and inside i was jumping up and down and saying, no crazy don't go down there (laughs) <laughs> just stay up there in little Dayton and mind your own business but I, I guess the reason for that is the fact that I just uh, I'm just inadequate I suppose to try to help like these other wonderful men behind me and Dr. Brown down here and, and Brother Durr I think I saw him back there when I listened to them preach and expound the word of God and I thought, Lord, what can I tell the young people that they don't already know? And so I decided that when I came, I just have to be me. I guess that's all right, isn't it? (laughs) Because uh, I want to somehow convey a message to all of us. And again, I'm going to talk to the young people tonight and trust that God will help me a very simple truth simple truth, but yet I trust it'll affect our lives. I do want to make something clear tonight. Last night, I made a wrong statement. <laughs> I talked about the judge wanting me to flee bargain with him. I think you call that plea bargain. I told you, I, I just wanted you to know I did graduate. Don't ask me where I got the flea bargain. I guess cause I came here and came by traders world, you know, I'm thinking <laughs> flea market or something. I'm not sure, but uh, I really do know the difference. <laughs> I just want to get that just get that straight so you won't think I'm really a hick or a hillbilly, I mean you know. <laughs> and if you see anybody out there, you get them straightened out, would you? Start with me tonight, if you would, to Psalms 139. Psalms 139, beginning with verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well my substance was not hid from thee when i was made in the secret and curiously wrought the lowest parts of the earth thine eyes did see my substance and yet being imperfect and in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them i want us to look particularly tonight at verses 17 and 18 how precious also are thy thoughts unto me o god how great is the sum of them if I should count them they are more in number than the sand when I awake I am still with thee let's pray Jesus we thank you so much for thy presence tonight we thank you for the testimonies of victory we thank you for the praise in song and worshiping you tonight already And we pray that you'll touch us tonight as we endeavor to talk to the young people. For, Lord, it is our desire more than anything else to lift you up and help them to draw close to you. May your will be done tonight and may the enemy be defeated for the glory of Jesus. In thy name we pray. Amen. In these few verses that we're talking to you tonight about, I... I guess I I suppose if there's one particular area I decided when I came but I just was not going to touch it was this one and um, I decided to put it back and put it back and I and the Lord continued to bring me back to it today so I'm gonna mind the Lord and do the best that I can and trust that God will honor his word but in these verses there, there is something that is wonderful. In verse 17, how precious are the thoughts of God unto me. How great are the sum of them. The psalmist is kind of indicating, you know, I'm finding out how much God loves me. And he really does. If he should count them, if somehow he could, they're more than the sands of the sea and the, the fact and the thoughts of God on him on the song, on the one doing the writing. And every one of us here tonight can pick up this verse and apply it to our hearts. Amen. The problem so often comes, though I believe, that in many of our lives, and again, maybe some of your, some of young people here, I think it's kind of referred to over in Proverbs, I believe it is chapter 21, somewhere around there, we're talked about, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And it kind of gives us that idea that there is a way in which sometimes we can get a particular issue in our mind and we can begin to dwell on it and think on it and pretty soon if we drill on it enough, we almost believe that. Whatever, whether good or bad. And and in our mind continues to work in that fashion and we can get our minds where it can be rutted with thoughts that would not be good and be difficult for us to grab faith of the word of god and often they come from a wrong thought of god or a perception of what god is and who god is and what he really wants to do for us i really don't know how to explain to you how it all happens and where it begins and where it all ends but i will just like tonight if i can just kind of unbear my heart to you is that all right i just to talk to you about this idea how god really loves you with an everlasting love did you ever Did you ever have somebody say something to you maybe when you was just a child and you know children Children are really good at making comments, whether they're negative or positive, but way back in grade school, you can make comments about an individual and how, uh, you know, what they're like. And maybe as you're looking at them, and of course, it kind of crushes the kid, but then pretty soon you get over it and you go on. And of course, when you become adult, it doesn't go away so easy, does it? But I can remember just as a little guy, I was in a public school system. In fact, up until the time I came here to God's Bible School in 1971. And I was up in one through grades one through seven, a little place called Ogreville, Indiana. It was just a little, just a little old burg in the road, actually, and one oak tree. And I don't even think there was a gas station in it, maybe one, but we called it Ogaville. That was our grade school. And all of my uncles, my dad's brothers, in other words, and, and on his side of the family and my cousins all had gone through there. And now my two older brothers had gone. Now I'm in the first grade. And weatheralls were known around there. That was all right, I guess. <laughs> it just depends on how you looked at it. But i remember going in there that particular day my mother and daddy were christians and and the the teacher was somewhat of a nominal christian but you know how it is and of course i was a little guy like everybody else i really wanted people to like me do you i still do by the way amen i did i wanted i just wanted everybody to like me you know because uh, that's fun i it's no fun when people don't like you and i can recall well Um, getting in school and and I went in there and everybody had new uh, clothes and new whatever and of course my clothes were not new. I had two older brothers and I had the new patches probably that year but not new clothes And, and so that was during the day when everybody of course brought lunches or they were able to buy their lunch. They actually had to buy lunch in the public school back in those days. Does that tell you how old I am? But well do I remember as we got in there and everybody got together and that first or second day the teacher said, All right children, I want everybody to get together and all you children that brought your lunch, I want you to get over here. And all you children that brought money for your lunch, I want you to get over here. And so, you know, there must have been 30 kids or at least 27 kids over on this side and there were three of us over here on this side that had a lunch. You see, we were automatically considered poor because my mom and daddy couldn't afford the money to to buy our lunch and so. All of a sudden, it was amazing. I'm there with all the other, in class, everything's normal, you know. We're all going through school, and then we come down the lunch. We began to separate, and I'll never forget it. I don't know who said it, but somebody from that little group over there looked over at us, too, and there was two other little guys with me, and their daddy was a drunk, and, and, and they were about a year apart as far as age, one a little older and one a little, uh, by my age, actually, So the oldest one had already failed the first grade. He's doing it again, and, and they're dirty and kind of scrounged and so they're standing there with me at least with my clean clothes on and patches perhaps I don't know but all the other kids are looking over there and they say something like this said "Uh uh-oh we can't play with them because they have cooties anybody ever seen a cootie how many ever had cooties oh some of you had oh my I didn't know they made them but anyway, I just, we, I we, uh, looked at myself, I said, what's the matter with me? I got cooties. I didn't know what a cootie was. We went over to, to the lunchroom and we got into the lunchroom and of course they put us at our own table and all the other 27 got in line and they got a nice hot lunch. And here I am with my old, my two little buddies and, and we're beginning to think already, there's something wrong with us. What's, what's different about us? We get on the playground and nobody wanted to play because, you see, we brought our lunch and they just kind of put us in a little old mold there. And, you know, children do that. That's that's very normal. And so here I am struggling right from the very beginning of time, it seemed. I'm I'm struggling. I I wanted friends. And so I decided I was going to do something to get friends. You know, take things in my own hand here, you know. I, I wanted everybody to like me, so I had been down to grandpa's. And I saw Grandpa do something that was really, boy, is rough. When my Grandpa got mad and he got angry, you know, he said bad words. He wasn't Christian, but uh, obviously, he said bad words. And so that kind of got a hold of my attention, you know, and I remember, listen, boy, that's something. Grandpa, of course, I knew I wasn't allowed to say that at home anywhere. So here i am one day in school and i'm writing my abcs you know how you do it you have the yellow paper you remember yellow paper had those little dotted lines down the middle kind of blue lines and then little dotted lines and you had to write the capital a you know that's what we did we wrote a capital a and then we kind of and you know put the little mark across it and then we put the baby a that stick with a hump on it you know and, and then we did the, the daddy b you know you put your stick down in two humps are you all with me <laughs> didn't you do this Oh, you did yours on computer didn't you (laughs) and you know we put the other stick down and then when you did the baby bee you put your hump on it and here I am clear in the back of that room there's 30 kids I think somewhere around there I'm in the very back of that room and and I put my stick down and I went to put my hump on the side of the baby bee and I got it on the wrong end of the stick and I wasn't happy so I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I thought I gotta act mad. I gotta be rough and tough. And uh, kids will like me if I do that. And so I just took my pencil kind of and threw it down and just came out with the awfulest curse word. I mean in the first grade. I mean I just let her go. I said, well I'm not gonna tell you what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Avery shipped me home right now. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I just let it go and my poor teacher she's one of those she's a nominal Christian you know she knows my parents actually her daughter married my uncle and so that she knew the family pretty well and knew that we were a church family that we didn't say things like that and all of a sudden her, she just sits straight up and she looked back at me and she said who said that word well I, I wouldn't say I did She she come walking right back to me. She grabbed me by my ear and picked me straight up. She said, young man, what did you say? And so I told her what I said. (laughs) I told her again. She said, what would your mother do if she heard you say that? Well, I didn't have to tell her. I knew what my parents would do. And so she said, young man, I'm going to do what they would do. And she grabbed me by my ear and actually tr- walked me out of that classroom, clear to the water fountain. You know what, as I'm going out of the class, I have got friends everywhere. I'm waving at all the buddies. Hey, God, send this out. I really arrived almost. Got out there to the water fountain, and she said, young man, you stay right here. I said, yes, ma'am. So I'm standing at the water fountain. While I'm standing there, she goes into the ladies' restroom. I thought I'm really something. I'm looking back at all my buddies. I'm waving at them, you know, and they're kind of waving at me. I'm kind of getting tickled because, you know, I'm in trouble, but I'm going to have friends, man. She comes back out and she had gone in there i don't know how she did it but she got this paper towel that they made them thicker back in those days than they do now but she wadded, she got them just soaking wet and then she folded them and made some kind of a cup out of it and then she went in there and got this whole whole cup full of liquid green soap i'm talking liquid soap She looked at me and it's dripping, you could just see it dripping out of the the paper. She looked at me and she said, young man, I know your mother would make you eat soap if you said a bad word, wouldn't she? I said, nope. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) She probably would have. She said, open your mouth. So I opened my mouth. She said, tilt your head back. I tilted my head back and she dumped that whole cup of soap in my mouth. This is public school. Can you imagine them doing that today? and then she said close your mouth i thought what am i supposed to do i closed my mouth she said wishes are squishing around i, I just kind of you know and did all that she said now do you want to spit it out <laughs> do i want to spit it out yes i want to spit it out she said all right go ahead and spit it out so i walked over to the water fountain i just got rid of all that stuff in my mouth and she said now would you like a drink of course i want to drink guess what happens when you put water and soap together have any idea I start blowing bubbles and every time I breathe from there out for a week I would blow bubbles <laughs> she looked at me and just kind of took me back in and said young man now you need to learn and I, I suppose I did I, I quit the cussing business right away I really did I was simply wanting somebody to like me yeah. Got into second grade. Believe me, I'm not going through all 12 grades, so don't get excited. But I got into the second grade. You know, this is serious stuff now because you know, now I'm getting into the, the years of dating. You know, I'm already starting to shave. <laughs> second grade. <clears throat> anyway. Here I am. I got a girlfriend. There's another guy who's got a girlfriend. I thought, oh boy, same girl, that's a problem. You know we learn early so we decided what we had to do was take care of that the teacher was a nice little teacher she was one that should have been retired several years before then she was kind of frail looking and kind of petite and she just kind of walked real real light you know and you could hear and they didn't have carpet in the hallways it was all semen and and you could just hear kind of click-clopping everywhere and and one day she decided to go down to visit the third grade teacher who was a monster really she was I remember when I got in there she was a monster I, I had her for third grade oh man I spent four of the best years of my life in the third grade <laughs> <laughs> but I remember she was down to talking to her about some I don't know what it was and this other guy looked at me and said he had this idea what we're going to do and I said well I, that's my girl he said no it's not it's not my it's mine you see we had already got this thing pretty well settled we thought we had both written our letter it was real serious stuff. Her name was Becky. We both wrote the letters and said, Dear Becky, I love you. Do you love me, yes or no, circle one? <laughs> this is serious stuff. <laughs> and she had not yet got the letters back to us. I don't know the mail was slow that day or something, but she hadn't gotten them back to us. And so I'm wondering what's going on. And so is Gary. And so we're trying to win that affection and letting everybody know we're, we're tough. We see Gary, Gary came from a family where his mom and daddy bought him motorboats for birthday. I, I mean, really, real motorboats for his birthday. I'm not talking about a model or a little bitty, you know, scooter. I'm talking about a real motorboat. This guy had it. And he said, I, he's going to be my girl. I said, no. So I decided I was going to show him who was the man and who could be the best. And I said, look. I dare you to go up there and get under her desk. He looked at me and said, you're chicken. I said, I ain't either. He said, yes, you are. I said, you're chicken. He said, no, I'm not. I said, let's go. So we both, like men, got up out of our seat. We walked right to the front of that room, and it was one of those big old desks where they, you know, she had a little oak chair that had nice castles on it, was always rolled up, had arms on it, you know, and rolled up under the desk there where you put your legs. And, and she always, she seldom sat there, but sometimes she would, but seldom. And so she normally had it rolled in. So we just kind of pushed that out a little bit, and both of us got under that thing. I'd like to see that today. it be kind of tough. But anyway, we both got under there. We're sitting under there. We think, we're giggling, this is going to be great. She's going, We're waiting. We're just waiting for Becky to come and let us know who she loves. The problem is the teacher decided to come back now. And we could hear her coming down the hall. It was so obvious. I mean, we, could, we, knew, her feet, we, knew, the, we knew the pattern of the footstep, you know. We, we just knew that walk. And, and he looked at me and said, she's coming. I said, I know. And you're chicken. You're going to run, aren't you? And he kind of let me know I was stupid, but he's getting out of there. So, boy, he took off, but not me. No, I didn't. I wasn't scared. I stayed under there. Yes, sir. I really did. not I grabbed her chair, pulled it right up as close to me as I could. And I'm up my little knees are up to my nose, you know, and I'm in there squeezed in there. And I thought, that break, I'll just walk out and she'll never know it. This will be great. And sure enough, she'd come in. I could see her feet as though it was yesterday. I could see, kind of went in front of that desk. She came to the side of the desk. And normally she'd go back and write on the blackboard, but she didn't. She decided she wanted to talk a while or, you know, and just read or something a while. And so I saw her grab that chair. Here I am under there. And I knew there wasn't enough room under there for me and her both. I thought, what am I going to do? There's only one way for me to get out of there. That's the same way I went in there. So sure enough, she grabbed that chair and she pulled it out. She's going to sit down. And I thought, uh-uh, not with me in here. And so, boy, I just took that chair and gave it a shove. And as I gave it a shove, she just let go. She had no idea. The chair weren't there. <laughs> and guess what? You guessed it. And There's no carpet. There's nothing but a hard tile floor. This dear, aged lady should have been retired years before this. And she went to sit down as that chair. I can see it as though it was yesterday. I saw it go back and hit the old blackboard, just kind of did this, you know. And while it was shaking back there, she was sitting down. And when she missed the chair and hit that floor, she screamed. "Ah!" And I went, "Ah!" I did the same thing. We both screamed at each other. She looked at me, you man, what are you doing here? I said, I don't know. She grabbed a hold of me. You know where she took me? She took me down to Mrs. Jarrett, the third grade teacher. The monster. <laughs> you know how I know she's a monster? Because when she reads, she'd grow fangs on the side of her mouth, you know. You all remember that. I knew she was a monster. And sure enough, I got to her and she got to me and it was just like another weatherall. I've had three or four of your uncles. I've had your two brothers. And now I've got you. And you're coming next year. And she grabbed me and began, I mean, commenced to shake me. Something like this, said young man. I believe the devil's got a hold of you. I said, I think he does too. No, I didn't. (laughs) I thought it was over. I struggled in third grade I struggled to find me all I wanted somebody like me nothing wrong with that I got into the fifth and sixth grade to Mr. Zajax he was a Czechoslovakia he was from Czechoslovakia Becky was still in there Becky was a pretty girl and I remember it was an art teacher came in and uh, we all had a little art project mr zajax didn't like me very well you say how do you know preacher because he told me now, that's simple one day they wanted some kids to go down and help one of the little little guys in the lower class and so he said i need four volunteers and so boy i'd volunteer for anything to get out of that classroom you know anybody know what i'm talking about <laughs> so boy i i put my hand up he looked back at me and said whether well, i'll put your hand down you're so stupid you can't even get out of the rain sit down and he began to drive a dagger into my heart That said you know I'm stupid he just told me I was I wonder why I'm stupid and I began to kind of put that in my mind and put back other things and, and began to just work on that in my own little mind as just a little guy until now here we are have an art project and they forget it. the art teacher came gave us all this nice little uh, I mean a nice project and and we worked it all out and I it was one of those winter scenes you know where you where you kind of collar and 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 make the trees with no leaves <laughs> and you know really I'm not an artist I promise I am not an artist I can't even read my own writing you know let alone sometimes it's bad and and, and so I, I thought I was doing it, and pretty soon, many it seemed to turn out halfway decent. And the art teacher came by, and she looked at me, and I'll never forget. She kind of gave me a hug, and she said, Mike, that is so good. Oh, I like that. Wow, I was proud of that. She said, we're going to judge these in a little bit, and we're going to put them up. We're going to have a PTA meeting this week, and, and we'll see who gets first place. And you know what? When that day was done, she had my picture. First place, I had a blue ribbon on it. Oh, man, I was so excited. I went home. I went to my mom. I said, Mom, Mom, guess what? She said, What? I said, I've got a surprise for you. She said, You do? I said, Yeah. Yeah, i got a surprise for you. In fact, I can't tell you now. I can't tell you now. Wait till Thursday night. This is like on a Monday, you know. Wait till Thursday night. I'll show you. She said, Oh, honey, I can't wait. I said, Oh, Mom, you'll be proud. I watched day after day. Boy, every day I looked at that little picture up there. I was so excited. I was proud of that thing had the first place ribbon on it. And Becky's picture, you know, and all the other guys' picture. They were down there somewhere, but mine was first. And I was so excited to show mom that. Thursday night came and I remember we gathered over in the gymnasium and and the principal began to, you know, talk to him about some of the, the rules and about some of the uh, events coming up and all. So we got that all finished and she said, all right. And they dismissed us and everybody went with their children to their classes. I had two younger brothers in the school. And they were like in the third grade and first grade. and but my mom said, Mike, let, let's go to yours first. I said, okay, Mom. but I said, no, now don't, just wait till you go in. Now, now you're going to be surprised. She said, okay, honey, I can't wait. Where is it? Where is it? And so just as I ran in the room, I ran right over to her. I picked her I said, it's right. And it was gone. And I stopped in the middle of my pointing. She said, what, honey, what is it? And I looked real quick and it was way down at the end. Becky's picture that he liked very well because their parents were wealthy and, and they brought him a lot of gifts all the time and he had taken her, put it in first place and put the ribbon on it. Mine was way down at the end. The art teacher, of course, didn't come. She only came by once a week, so she had no idea. And I said, "Oh." Uh, she said, "Mike, what is it? What do you want to show me? What is it?" I said. Oh, it's nothing really, Mom. He said, something, honey, what is it? I said, oh, it's nothing. And then I began to try to think of something. I said, oh, yeah, Well, here, I'll show you. And I took her back to my desk. And we had to straighten up our desk and make sure everything was just right. And so I opened my desk and said, look. She looked in my desk and said, oh, honey, that is so neat, that's nice. I said, Do you like it, Mom? Yes. She hugged me and was proud of me. And as I went home, that night, just a little fourth, fifth grader, sixth grader, I don't remember. I think it was maybe fifth grade. Little fifth grade boy just wept himself to sleep. And you know what? I said something like this. Jesus, why am I so bad? Why doesn't the teacher like me? I'd go to Sunday school class. I'd see that the teacher was there, and then Sunday school teacher would tell me how Jesus loves everybody. Jesus loves all the children of the world. I could sing it with gusto like everybody else, but always inside of my little mind and down in the deep recesses of my heart. It was, yes, I know Jesus loves everybody, but I wonder if he loves me. Because they think I'm bad. And he said, I'm stupid. I hope Jesus loves me. You know why? Because, because I love him, and I want to serve him. But he probably doesn't. You say, did that affect your life? Nobody knew a thing. I was one of the most happy-go-lucky guys. Just, I was always in the life of the party, just right, having a good time. But it was at nighttime when the lights were out, and I was in bed, and it was dark. I would go over those awful things in my mind. You know, you probably will never make it to heaven. You know, you're too bad. You know, obviously the teacher told you you're no good. I, I fought that. Got into junior high, and I'll never forget working hard at trying to just fit in. That's all I wanted. I wanted them just to accept me. And I remember that was the days of the Beatles, and they have the bangs. You know, everybody did. But my daddy said, I want gentlemen. And he made us comb our hair back like a gentleman. And as soon as I get on the bus, regardless whether it was freezing or what, I'd stick my head out the window, and I'd get my head totally dry, and I'd comb her down like everybody else. and when I'd go home, I'd stick my head under the sink or under the water and comb her up. All I wanted was acceptance. But you see, what had happened is, in the little old heart of mine, there was this nagging doubt. That every time I would read the word of God and I would hear a preacher preach it, friend, I was at the altar. There's hardly a revival in my life that I ever went, that I didn't go to an altar and say, God, I'm sorry, I want to serve you. And he knew I did. And I would go and it didn't take it through three days to find out maybe he doesn't because I failed again. Evidently, I, I didn't get it. Say, did you tell anybody? No. Oh, no, no. You see, because I had to put on that front, just like perhaps many that are here tonight, struggling with this acceptance of God. Maybe some little area in your life nobody else knows about, but God knows. And you wonder, does God really love me? I can really believe Brother Avery's going to heaven. I, I, he's got a good, you know, you could just, you, you just know. I can believe that, that Brother Miles, I can believe that Brother Hooker, I can believe that all the other teachers, whoever it might be, oh, you can believe easy for them, but it comes right down for zeroing in on your heart. The worst part is, does God really know? He knows me. Lord, I love you, but just to accept that for faith to connect sometimes is difficult. I came to God's Bible school and I thought in my mind you know this would be great you know when I get here everything will be just wonderful oh everybody will love everybody and it'll be they'll be oh this will be wonderful and, and it certainly wasn't like a public school at all but I found that I bought, fought some of the same little battles I went through high school struggling with myself I, I think probably young people if I, could, if I could start over here on this end of the altar I settled it there and then the next one I settled it there at the next square and the next one and at the, the next one and the next one I think I stopped on the boys side I think by then I was ready to graduate from high school maybe every Bible every camp there was a seeker can I tell you something I never remember a day in my heart that I did not want to serve Jesus I don't I don't remember a day that I just said I'm not oh you say you're oh my my no I've not always been a Christian no i have not been consistent obviously not but I cannot tell you of a day that I did not want to serve God the problem was it wasn't that it didn't want to I just didn't think I could because of my past record I start and fail and I would get the idea that God was probably tired of me and all of my failures and I probably would never amount to anything I was still struggling we got into our senior year of high school and I'll never forget got right down to the last I mean the senior trip Oh those are fun aren't they Aren't they They were when I was there They were fun And I'll never forget it Old brother Gilbert Would drive the first Wesleyan bus Down there on Highland and McGregor Some of you fellows, I'm sure remember that That old green school bus It was midnight I had two buddies Bob and David they're good buddies of mine there's uh, anyway there was two of us or three of us in the high school class and i think there were around 14 other i think there was 18 of us total and i graduated the top 18 in my class i was really doing well <laughs> but uh, i remember that night we had it all figured out you know what happens on senior trip oh it was tradition i don't know if it's still tradition but it was tradition then the traditional pillow fight oh man we, we had it planned i mean we didn't mess around i mean we knew there was 14 girls or 15 girls and and three of us guys and we knew we were outnumbered and guys that ain't fair excuse the english <clears throat> But i remember well we decided brother gilbert pulled up there we saw the girls were still in the dorm getting all their stuff so boy we come flying down with our suitcase and our pillows and we got right in the back of the bus and we got everything loaded and we made sure that we were in the very back seats because in order for the enemy to get us they had to get us from the front oh we had this all planned and so I remember Bob was on my right, David on my left. I was in the middle, somewhere in the middle aisle. <laughs> and we had everything stacked and we're ready. And of course, the girls all came in and they got their seats. I had found it. They kind of pre planned some things too. <clears throat> and sure enough, We got somewhere between here and Columbus. We was going to Niagara Falls, but we got somewhere between here and Columbus, Ohio, and I could see it out of the darkness of the night. I mean, our our sponsor and his wife, they were up there kind of snoozing away, and that's really what we wanted. They were snoozing, and Brother Gilbert, he was driving away, kind of humming a little song, I guess, not paying attention, and we could see those girls rising up out of those seats very slowly. We were acting like we were asleep. And they thought they were going to pounce on us and beat the life out of us or something. Wasn't sure what, but something was coming. And I'll never forget it. We watched those girls kind of close their eyes and kind of, you know, watched them pray at the same time, you know. We kind of had our eyes just squinted a little bit. It was dark back there and they couldn't see us. And they literally started climbing over the seats. I mean, these girls were coming for business. I mean, they were coming after us. And I mean they're walking over the seats that's on either side and they're coming down two girls in the middle aisle and they got, I mean they got a wall of girls coming after three guys. And all of a sudden just as they were ready to swing we jumped up and we started swinging. I mean caught them totally off guard. We started swinging the pillars and knocking heads together. You know why we're knocking heads together? Because all the girls were, most of them were from the city. They had these silly foam pillows. I was from the farm. I had a feather pillow that for weeks I had just wound wound and wound and wound and wound and wound. And it felt like a rock and I had it ready. When those girls came at me, I just jumped up and straddled, put one foot on one seat and one on the other, and as they came, I <laughs> mean, well, you could just hear it crack. And the exciting part of it was hairdo's exploded. <laughs> oh, they did. Back in those days, they put stuff up there, you know, they called them rats. Anybody remember that? They put, I mean, I got one girl, her hair, I mean, one of those real high-haired dudes, you know, they had stuff up there. I don't know everything they put up there, but I found out a few things. I hit this one girl, and all of a sudden, a pink horse cloth drops out. I said, look out, guys, the rats are loose. This other girl came at me, I said, what's in yours? One of them had a bunch of holes all stuffed up up in there. I didn't know how far to go with this but i was having fun i mean those poor girls there wasn't there was not one there was not one girl left in that bus that night that had their hair up we found out their secrets of how they kept that up all in one place i mean hairpins were everywhere they were about half gone And all of a sudden they realized the girls was taking a beating and and the sponsor come pushing the girls aside. The the sponsor's wife, I mean. And pushing the girls aside and walked up to me and she said, Mike, give me your pillow. She didn't say it to Bob. She didn't say it to David. she said it to me. Well, I'm very obedient. I said, do you want my pillow? She said, yes, sir, I want it. I said, okie dokie. I reached back Whoa oh, boy I let her have it I don't know what was in her hair <laughs> I'm not sure but she went back she was so despondent she went up and I'm not sure but what she may have started crying up there a little we all settled down took the fun out of it you know we all sit down and there the girls finally sat down we had won we were victorious <laughs> But when it all settled down That little voice came right back Said you fool You know you always blow it Have a little fun You've got to take it too far And it was just a little track That constantly would say You know you're not going to mount anything anyway You know that was very disrespectful to your teacher And by the way young people it was Amen And so I, I don't know if I asked the Lord to forgive me or not yet, but I do know that I went through the rest of the night just kind of smoldering in my own mind, but the battle wasn't over. We got into Niagara. Guys, let me just throw this in in case you haven't figured it out yet. Girls will get revenge. Somebody want amen? they do get even thank the lord we were on niagara side or on canada's side of niagara and uh, we came out of the motel ready to go to i think ripley's believe it or not or something up there and all the girls were ready to go first that is a miracle you guys are scared to say amen now aren't you <laughs> All 15 of them were ready. And they looked there. They just stood there with their hands behind their back. And we knew by instinct we were in trouble. The three of us guys walked out. The girls said, hey, you guys ready to go? And they're not waving hands. They're doing it. They got everything behind their back. And then as they did that, they kind of formed a half circle around us. And then they got a full circle around us. So we're just looking around and looking at the battleground find out where we can go and you know what all of a sudden they said surprise and every one of those girls had two cans of shaving cream and they commenced to shoot those things I didn't know they'd go that far I mean and they started going across there we started looking like a snowman all three of us and we had nothing to defend ourselves And so, boy, I started wading through that stuff. I thought I might as well go ahead and get me a couple of cans because as soon as I start after them, they're going to run. And that's what they did. And they dropped the cans and took off. And, boy, I took off after them with two cans. And all of a sudden, the sponsor's wife came up to me. She said, Mike, give me those cans. I said, do you want these cans? I said, okie dokie. And I literally emptied the cans on her. Oh, that was great, man, we had a ball. Everybody got cleaned up, When everybody got cleaned up. I'm in my little motel room thinking, you know, that was very disrespectful. You know, you really blew it again. And I'd go through this little thought pattern. Will you ever amount to anything? No, young people, it was not what I call you know, just out and out, broken, horrible, hideous, immoral sin. But it was definitely disrespectful, and I had a lot of growing up to do. But you see, inside that little brain of mine, there was this constant little nagging thought, Mom will go to heaven, Dad will go to heaven, Grandma and Grandpa and the preacher, I know they will. And I want to so bad. But I wonder if God loves me. I know the Bible says it does. I, I know that. But yet, I know what I am. I've failed so many times. I just wish I knew I was going to go to heaven. And I sit right there where you're sitting, fellas, year after year from 1971 to 75, going to an altar, fighting that little battle of doubt. Question mark. Does God really love me? Oh, I know he does, but does he really? I came back to school, camp meeting came. Guess what? I went to the altar. I told the Lord I was very sorry. The first thing the Lord wanted me to do was to make some apologies, and rightfully so. I made my way down to where that sponsor lived and knocked on the door. My sponsor came that night and he opened the door and he was just a bubbly little guy. He looked at me and said, hey, Mike, how you doing? I said, fine, fine. I said, is your wife home? He said, no, she isn't. She and she, I don't know exactly where she was at the time, but she's not here. Why? Can I help you? And I broke down and began to cry. I called him by name and I said, brother. You know those things that I did to your wife. I, I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just stupid, I know. And I wanted to apologize to her for what I did because it was very disrespectful. And I'm ashamed of what I did. That little fellow threw his arm around me, around my shoulder. He started to cry. He said, Mike. I'm sure she'll forgive you. But did you know Jesus loves you? I said, yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think. But really, I I probably won't mount anything. He looked at me and kind of twirled me around to look right in my eyes as he's crying. I'm kind of keeping my head down. He said, I just want you to know Jesus loves you just like you are. And did you know, Mike, he's got a plan just for you? I said, for me? He said, yeah. He has a special plan just for you. And God will use you if you'll just let him. I looked at him and I said, but man, I've made a mess. I said, I'm just a high school boy and and I, I just never can stay settled. I've been up and down and I doubt if I'll ever amount to anything. He said, but if you'll let Jesus have your life and really know that he loves you, God can do something for you. I told him, thank you. I took courage. I went on from there and got married. Started back to school. College in 1977. As I went through school, my first year and a half of college, I still fought that same, a little nagging doubt. No, young people, I was no emotional misfit. I was not some guy that was some morbid uh, guy always feeling sorry for himself. No, 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 you would never know it. During the day, I was like everybody else, but it was just those night hours when I tried to go to sleep and that conscience of mine. No one else knows you like I know. You know you've really been a failure you're never going to be like this guy or that guy and probably you'll never amount to much and night after night after night as a teenager no one knew it all but the Lord and myself I'd go out there to the big old porch of God's Bible school farm and I can remember night after night brother Afrey, standing up against that pole looking up in the sky and just weeping Telling Jesus that I loved him and I really wanted to serve him. But I just didn't see how I could. And I'd say stuff like, Lord, why do I always fail? Why do I start and fail? And I'd walk out into the yard and I could take you right to the place. Where I leaned up against the tree as a 17-year-old boy. And wept and wept and wept and said, Why? and I get things settled. God, will you ever be able to use me for anything? And as I got married and got into class, I had that same pattern. The thought I would try to study and and, you know, I just thought, well, they told me I can't and so my grades were very poor. But one day, in 1979. January the 29th. It's on a Tuesday. Then I met Jesus in a wonderful way. And he showed me from his word that my thoughts are on you continually. And they are precious. Precious on me, Lord. They're precious. But Lord, you know what I am. You know how I fail. But if I could count the ways, they're more than the sands of the sea. And I recognized for the first time that me, a little guy that thought he'd never do anything in life, I was fearfully and wonderful. That right well. And God said, I love you just like you are. Will you let me remake you and work out my plan in your life? And from that moment on, God began to do a transformation in my heart. No one else knew anything about it. And I'll be honest with you, young people. This is why I'm, I'm very hesitant to even preach this little message. Because somebody often gets the idea that he must have been emotional wreck, and that has nothing to do with it at all. I've had multitudes, I mean, not multi, but many young people come to me and say something, preacher, that was my life. Nobody knew. I don't know if the church tonight... But I do know that as I recognized the love of God for me, I wanted to return his love, I began to apply myself. And pretty soon my grades went from a, well, went from a no average to 3.0, 4.0. Until I all know when I graduated from college in 1982, if I'm not mistaken, and I, I actually haven't gone back, but as far as I know, From that point on, I was at least a three point above. And many times, God helped us to carry a 4.0 average. And I got ready to leave. I'm taking my first church. That little sponsor that stood on the porch that day and grabbed me and gave me a hug, weeping and saying, Mike, if you just let Jesus work in your life because he loves you, he's got a plan. can do something for you it'd been about seven years now he had moved up into the college department and he was in maybe the registrar's office i don't know exactly what office you call it but i walked in to get my last report card and i walked in i was excited about going to my new church and what god was going to do for us and And i called him a name and i said can i have that my report card i said i'm i'm finished i'm so excited he said just a minute mike and he jumped up ran over to the file cabinet pulled her out and he flipped through the files and got back to the w's and pulled out my little card and when he did he stopped put his head down and began to cry i thought oh boy (laughs) it's worse than i thought he began to cry. And when he began to cry, I guess I felt like crying. I didn't know what in the world the problem was. But then all of a sudden, he got up and kind of took his glasses off, you know, got a hold of himself. And he walked over to me with this little pork card. It was a 4.0. He looked at me. He said, Mike, I want to shake your hand. And I reached out and grabbed his hand. He just held on. And in essence, this is what happened. And I can't get exact verbatim the words, but it was in essence this. You remember seven years ago, standing on my front porch, I told you Jesus loved you. He said, yes, I remember well. And I want to thank you for that. Because I know he does. He said, I just want to tell you, he said, I've looked at your class and those that have gone in there. And he said, probably you were the least likely that I would have ever fought to finish college. But here you are graduating, going out and serving Jesus. He said, I just want you to know that seeing a young man like you come through here and graduate and making grades as you're making makes work working in a Christian day school worth everything. Praise, Head Mike, this is what it's all about, preparing students for the work of Jesus. I wept and he wept and we hugged one another and I made my way on out into the ministry. Young people, from that day into this, I've been serving Jesus. No, no, I've not made great headlines. But the greatest thrill of my life came when I recognized above all Jesus loves. He loves you. I know this is not some deep theology tonight, but I'm here to kind of portray a message that maybe many of you tonight know you're not out there in some ready to go in some kind of a hospital mental ward. But yet in the the deep recesses of your heart, you're fighting that battle of confidence with God and, and the fact that God, I want acceptance with God. I want God to love me and I want to love him. And there's the battle of a constant nagging doubt. Can I encourage you tonight? I don't care how bad you've been. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how many times you've failed. His thoughts are continually precious on you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And he is so desirous to get you and you and you and you and you to heaven. Because you see, he died for you. If I could count the ways, they're more than the sand of the sea. Young people, that's a heap of love that God can give to those of us that He
0: knows best.